Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello, security token industry. Welcome back to the Security Token Show, episode 39, where we will be covering the rise of security tokens in Japan. My name is Kyle Sondland, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Herwig Konings. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. Excited for another episode where we're going to be diving in and going over the chronicle of the, the rise of the Japanese security token infrastructure, which, if you've been following the show over the last year, has been moving at lightning speed. But before we do that, we are going to start the show off, as we always do, with our Companies of the Week, followed by our industry news segment, some STO updates, and our market activity report. So, Kyle, who do you have for us this week? My Company of the Week this week is a company that has been very active in the industry. In fact, they're related to a Company of the Week that I named back in episode 34, which was Fat Brands. And they were Company of the Week after issuing a $40 million debt issuance. And this week, I want to give my Company of the Week to the issuance platform behind the deal, Cadence. And so, founded in 2018, Cadence launched publicly in 2019, based in New York City, and they've now structured $88 million in notes across 76 different offerings and 12 originators, according to a recent release by the company. And so, the company has hit a number of milestones over the past two years of business, including closing its seed round of $4 million in December, led by Revel VC. They had Revels Thomas Falk, Navitev S. Nandra, as well as the, the former president of E-Trade and portfolio manager, Oliver Reit, who joined the company's board. And in addition to that, back in 2019, the company said that it had become the first digital asset business to launch a ticker on the Bloomberg terminal, which we did report here on the podcast. And they are also first to join the Bloomberg app portal. Additionally, they secured the first financial debt rating for a digital asset, and which was for the Fat Brands debt offering, where they issued, as I mentioned, $40 million of debt. And it was also noted that it reduced the company's interest costs by $2 million, in addition to having a higher debt rating than the traditional corporate debt. So Cadence was able to issue a tremendous debt offering for the Fat Brands, as well as for 75 other offerings, raising up to $88 million in debt. And the business has been totally successful. CEO Nelson Chu and his team have been absolutely killing it in the two years since they launched Cadence with institutional deals flying left and right. And they're pioneering the blockchain and tokenization space while staying acutely aware of the realities that large corporations and institutional clients don't have much interest in startup culture. They're really aiming to bridge the gap between that traditional finance sector as well as the technology sector while allowing the place for both to exist in harmony in finance. And so for the success that they've had, the speed at which they're accomplishing their feats, and the future-focused outlook in all of their operations, I think it's a no-brainer toward Cadence, my company of the week, Herwig. Great choice, Kyle. I feel like that was coming sooner than later. 
They have been working on some great deals like the Fat Brands deal. It was done absolutely right. It was an institutional grade client. They got it rated by Morningstar. And now their code, the Cadence code, is in Bloomberg terminals powering this issuance as a, and apparently many, many others. So really, really great job that the team is doing. They have raised a nice chunk of change there, uh, which they actually raised actually in the end of December, but they didn't announce this up until now. So this we, this was not made into the quarterly report that we research until now. So that's a great announcement as well to, to go with it. So congrats to the Cadence team. Very exciting stuff. Absolutely. And I, I do just want to take one extra second to highlight a piece of what I said in there. And that was regarding that fat brands debt offering that it reduced the interest costs for fat brands by $2 million. So this is, we're talking about the, the fat brands business saved 5% of their total cost of capital just by issuing the, this debt on the blockchain, on top of the fact that they actually had a higher rating for that debt offering. So I'm sure they had a lower interest rate to pay on that debt itself. So they potentially could have reduced their cost of capital for that $40 million debt offering by somewhere in the range of 5 to 10% over the lifetime of the, of the offering, certainly at least 5 but potentially up to even maybe the double digits. So this is a, a huge win for the security token industry, for the blockchain industry as a whole, improving that these offerings can tremendously save businesses money. And at the end of the day, when we're talking about adoption, when we're talking about the implementation of this technology into the traditional financial sector, we're talking about improving efficiencies and reducing costs. And this is a real physical way thing that we can point to of, hey, look, this business successfully was able to do and accomplish those things in a tremendous way. And, and shout out to Cadence for that. That's a great highlight, Kyle. Uh, I mean, a couple of years ago, maybe even still today, some issuers are, are wondering, you know, is this value add worth the increased cost of capital? But what you're describing here is, is value savings. It's cost savings, and it's going to lower the overall cost of capital while also increasing the overall benefits for all parties involved. So very, very important highlight. Again, great work the team is doing over there. And I, I, I think it's a good time to jump into my company of the week because I think they're doing some really cool stuff too. This is a firm that maybe not many have heard of. It's a company called Exponential. And it's a Toronto-based financial services firm. And they just recently announced that they're launching a $100 million fund focused on blockchain and capital markets. And what is even cooler is that they're actually crowdfunding part of the offering, which means that they're enabling retail Canadian investors to participate in something that is typically exclusive, of course, to accredited investors and institutions. And for those not familiar with Exponential itself, the firm was started by co-founders James Wallace and James Ton, who were serial entrepreneurs themselves and then started investing in budding entrepreneurs. From there, I'm assuming they saw the future of digital securities and they started expanding their, their team, including core executives from Hyperion Exchange and MLG Blockchain. And now they go beyond investing and actually advise founders and, and also are launching their own funds, the first of which is, of course, a $100 million digital asset fund. James Wallace uh, said of the fund, quote, we're building a secure and efficient venture capital style fund that supports the future economy. Together, we're giving retail investors and investment advisors access to the digital economy, democratizing the playing field, and promoting financial inclusion. So for all those reasons, I'll definitely be cheer cheering for the fund on the sidelines and here's to hoping that they fully subscribe because they got a great team behind them. They really know their stuff in this space and I think they're going to put that money to good work. So good luck to them for, for this move. Their exponential is going to win my company of the week. 
That's tremendous. Shout out to Exponential. They're doing great work. Can't echo that sentiment anymore myself. Yeah, you really have to go along with the ethos that James is talking about there. It's a lot of what all of us share in the security token space, promoting financial inclusion. So I think the way that they're bringing this fund to market is is also really done the right way. So good luck to them. And I, I think with that, we can jump right into our industry news segment. Let's dig into it. Hurry, what you got? So we're going to start off the week with some news from someone who is quickly becoming my favorite regulator in Europe, the French AMF. You know, they won my regular of the week in episode 35 for calling on a unified European-wide sandbox for security tokens. The regulator is also very bullish on the technology, but in a statement last week clarified that they also believe classifying the crypto assets may be premature at this stage. So the AMF argued that the classification of crypto assets should be based on the existing categories in order to differentiate between crypto assets that qualify as financial instruments and those that simply do not. So instead of trying to separate tokens and defining laws individually for, say, payment tokens, utility tokens, stable coins, etc., the focus, they say, should be on categorizing token types under existing regulation and having broad categorizations defined at the EU level. And also, that's pretty much the stance that the U.S. has been taking in the sense that they're they're enforcing existing securities laws with ICOs and STOs, and nothing's been defined yet, either legally by regulators or by uh, legislators. So, you know, nothing's really happened, at least not with real momentum. And in this case, the AMF is finding the balance between innovation and tradition by suggesting that tokens be categorized under existing laws and that their sandbox that they mentioned earlier and other pro research solutions be developed to create an environment that then yields the right data to just to suggest actually how those new regulations should be written in the future. So ultimately, I think this is a very good approach. Again, they are very pro the technology and the space, but ultimately, you know, they seem to have the right approach to how to really bring this to market by working with both the innovators as well as the traditional incumbents. And we also saw the same thing in Liechtenstein's regulator, the FMA, where they were active by recently granting the first MTF license to the exchange platform Nomisma. So the multilateral trading facility license there enables Nomisma to operate what they're claiming is the first ever blockchain-based trading platform amongst all other MTF members. So the CEO of Nomisma said specifically, in being awarded this conditional license, Nomisma has set a major milestone towards starting a new era of trading with tokenized assets. We are grateful for all the support we received from our advisors in Liechtenstein. We count on their continuing expert advice to deliver on the commitments we have undertaken toward the Liechtenstein FMA. So very, very impressive that this firm has been the first to, to, I guess, what probably would be the equivalent of an ATS license in the U.S. here, to start trading tokenized assets and traditional securities, and the first to be doing it with blockchain. So that's a definitely a huge milestone, and it's actually a pretty strong mark for the region because there are actually a couple other platforms, such as BlockTrade, which was acquired by Cryptix back in November, and also the LCX, the Liechtenstein Crypto Exchange, both of which I assume are also looking for that same license to also start getting into the same business. So, you know, that's three platforms in a country of less than 40,000 people. Pretty impressive. (laughs) 
And speaking, yeah, right. And speaking, Kyle, of exchanges in small countries, Merge Exchange is also in the news. You know, the operator of the Seychelles-based securities market has officially been named the fastest growing exchange in the world, at least according to the latest data released by the World Federation of Exchanges. Now, this is a pretty legitimate list, I got to say. You know, it's a list of all the nationally licensed exchanges, including all the heavyweights like the NASDAQ, the New York Stock Exchange, the London Stock Exchange, all the way to also the smaller countries like Bermuda's, Hanoi, or Beirut stock exchanges. Well, Merge can be pretty proud of the fact that not even the Deutsche Bors or the Swiss International Exchange or anyone else on that list outpaces their growth in market capitalization. Now, of wow. course, we got to be fair. The overall volume, of course, lies within the big exchanges, but the exchanges note also that some 83 uh, platforms, some 83 different exchanges have seen an average decline of 7%. So Merge is really bucking the trend here because they're growing at 325% uh, market cap over the last year. So if they can continue to keep that up, and I know their focus on digital securities will, will surely help them. Uh, so we'll be sure to, to track that and mention any new updates around that in Kyle's markets reports on, on the, new, the new tokens that get listed there. Absolutely, you can count on that. And we also saw an international acquisition take place last week. You know, New York-based Molinary Media acquired London-based UK fintech worldwide in order to expand its global footprint. Vincent Molinari, the founder and CEO, said, quote, we will expand our broadcast base and loyal viewership in the financial and blockchain community. In, it, in addition to those valuable intangibles, I am so pleased that Dr. Jane Thomason will be joining our management team and board of directors. And Dr. Thomason followed up by saying, quote, we see this as an exciting opportunity to pivot and supplement our events business with a large-scale digital format, and together we will build the world's first global media network channel championing fintech, digital assets, and impact to serve as the model for the future of business as we know things today. So, you know, as their media platform grows together now, so does also with it the London Fintech and Blockchain Week conferences. And the newly established Molinary Media started, by the way, after its founder left exchange platform Templum. And he's since been focused on covering the space from a PBC broadcast on the digital asset space in the New York Stock Exchange itself. So very exciting to see that media company grow. And we'll be looking out for more and more information from Molinary Media. Congratulations. Congratulations to Vince for, for a new venture. We certainly knew him as Templum was outspoken in the security token space through the, the development of the industry, and hopefully they still uh, are, are looking to move forward and, and are continuing to innovate. Um, hopefully we'll hear from them as well soon. I'm sure. I have no doubt. And next up, we also saw an investment take place. You know, Three Arrows Capital, which is a Singapore-based hedge fund, has invested an undisclosed amount into BlockFi following BlockFi's $30 million Series B announcement just a few months ago. So it real, really seems like BlockFi is full steam ahead with their capital, picking up even some more during this coronavirus epidemic. Certainly strong signs for the company. And next up, for those of you who don't remember the term continuous security offerings, then check out episode 30 of the show where we cover the concept coined by Fairmint. And now, as of April 10th, the firm announced that they've officially launched to the public. 
Now, anyone can enable a CSO, as they call it, using their smart contract and crowdfunding technology, which includes an interface that can be integrated into a website to onboard investors, which is definitely a handy tool to help with companies who don't necessarily have all the crowdfunding tools in one one place. And the company also has a network of service providers like law firms and broker-dealers to support issuers as well beyond that. So we're, we're definitely going to also look out for any news regarding adoption of this offering type and new issues that plan to launch using Fairmint, of course. And last week, we also saw that CIMB Bank out of Singapore signed an agreement to partner with capital markets platform iStocks. So they say that the partnership will allow CIMB clients in the region to access to a faster, more flexible, and efficient way to raise funds at a lower cost. iStocks continues to be an industry leader in the region, having recently graduated from the MAS Regulator Sandbox and even helping close a $10 million offering of a discretionary fund, Eternal Glades, on their platform, which of course Kyle will tell us a little bit more about later on the show. And it will certainly be interesting to see what kind of issuer CIMB will be bringing to the iStocks platform since the announcement did not exactly specify what type of issuers they will be. And another partnership also formed between Lemonway and Equisafe to bring Lemonway's payment solutions for regulated marketplaces to Equisafe. And Equisafe's platform will also leverage Lemonway's KYC AML compliance services too. Bilal El Alami, the president of Equisafe, said, We are convinced that alongside Lemonway, the blockchain solution we are providing will enable a simplified, modern solution to establish a healthy development of unlisted financial markets. So this marks Lemonway's second tokenization platform in France, since it also announced BlockPulse as a client last month. So definitely a focus on the region and an exciting to see adoption for the Lemonway solution. I'm sure we'll see many more clients beyond France as well start to adopt that very useful technology. And another interesting announcement, this time from U.S. crowdfunding platform StartEngine, who announced a new partner last week, this one being a celebrity. I'm, of course, talking about Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary, the most popular and loved <laughs> shark on Shark Tank, right? The pundit investor has come on as a strategic advisor to the firm and claims to be a big fan of equity crowdfunding, citing specifically the benefits of greater flexibility of terms and fairer valuations for entrepreneurs, as well as the ability to manage a greater number of shareholders with each investor acting as a brand ambassador for the company. So no doubt Kevin would also be a fan of tokenization, especially given the fact that you can take even greater advantage of fractional ownership as well as many other benefits to engage with stakeholders all across the world. So let's see if in this case, if anyway, if Kevin's Aurora and value add is what the company is looking for. And who knows, maybe we'll even see some start engine campaigns from Kevin O'Leary's Shark Tank deals available on the platform. You know, we'll, we'll only find out in the future i give kevin a lot of credit just because he's definitely kept an open mind with a lot of these new financing vehicles and a lot of this new technology i know that he's experimented with tokenized real estate in the past and while a lot of those early you know trials weren't necessarily the most successful i think it's awesome to see him leading the way with with all of his influence connections and and certainly capital behind him to help propel this industry forward so definitely a round of applause to him for continuing to innovate and not being afraid of of things not quite going exactly the way they're planned Absolutely, Kyle. And you got to give it to him in the sense that specifically for the equity crowdfunding space, if you will, there aren't necessarily a lot of big name celebrities or, or pundits and investors advocating for it. So it's, it's great to see a big name like Kevin uh, be, be here on our side. 
Totally. And we also saw some more innovation out of Mount Pelerin in Switzerland, which quietly released its beta version of the Bridge Wallet. This wallet solution is available on Android and iPhone app stores and lets you set up a wallet that can support the Euro, Swiss franc, and Ethereum, as well as MPS equity shares of Mount Pelerin, of course. So the brokerage account of the future is what I would say. It's a great app. Go check it out. Give it a download if you're interested, especially if you're planning on buying some MPS tokens. Pretty cool. Always great to, to you know have issuance platforms tie together some kind of custody solution, especially something consumer really giving direct ownership and a, and a new digital user experience to their customers, their their investors, if you will. Last week, we also saw a guest post by Dr. Sean Stein-Smith, who's an assistant professor in business and economics at Lehman College on the STM blog. So the op-ed is a, is a great guide that he did to anyone new to security tokens, specifically if they're looking to frame a conversation around tokenizing an asset. You know, I, mean, I highly recommend giving this a read or sharing this with those looking for a thorough but brief step-by-step guide. And thank you for submitting that, Dr. Sean Stein-Smith. Hopefully, we can look forward to more content from you. Yeah, this is fantastic. Nice to have uh, have a professor really contribute his thoughts and contributions to the industry. It, it helps provide legitimacy and love to hear his perspective. Absolutely. And last but not least, we have a great interview with Tohina Singh, who's the founder of issuance platform Propine, which is a, you know, this interview is available on Crowdfund Insider. For those not familiar with Propine, it's a Singaporean-based firm that is claiming to be the first independent digital asset custodian to be granted a capital market service license by the MAS. They're currently participating in the MAS's fintech sandbox that iStocks graduated from. And Propine reports that it is ready to provide custodial and asset servicing solutions to both accredited and institutional investors offering an end-to-end solution for a digital security offering. In her interview, Tahina shares what inspires her to start the company, shares her vision for the future of digital assets, and goes deeper into how the Propine platform works. For those of you, of course, who are new listeners to the show, you can find any of the articles that we discuss on the show in the about description on wherever you are listening to, or you can go directly to the source at stomarket.com. Anyway, go check out Duhina's interview if you're interested. And with that news covered, I'm going to hand it over to you, Kyle. Tell us a little bit more about some of the upcoming events. Let's talk about some of the upcoming events for the next week or two. The first one is... On Tuesday, so this is going to be the day of the release of this podcast, April 14th at 5 p.m. Pacific time or 8 p.m. EST. It's called the Blockchain and Booze event, where they'll be talking DeFi as well as blockchain technology, hosted by Alan Gorin and Joseph Holm, who are also the the founding partners of Draper Gorin Holm, a venture fund based out of, of the West Coast, focusing on blockchain technology. They also host the Crypto Invest Summit, as well as, as other uh, events that are, are popular in the security token and blockchain space. And so they're hosting a Zoom Happy hour to connect with with industry participants, have a couple drinks, and network. Get a little social time in during this quarantine. So definitely check that out. Um, They have a website. I believe it's just blockchainbooze.io. So if you're interested in participating or or, or checking in, meeting some people, definitely look into that. We may even drop by and say hello. In addition, there is a webinar that I mentioned last week in the Real Estate Tokenization by Black Man to Capital. That is April 17th. So I believe that's Thursday. And uh, Thursday or Friday. Um, And so April 17th. So definitely check that out if you're interested in real estate. We also have another one, which is a property-backed 
digital securities event hosted by SolidBlock. Also about how blockchain and security tokens will transform the real estate industry. That one is on Tuesday, April 21st at 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern time. So if you're interested in real estate, there's some great events coming up, webinars, Zoom calls. There's This is a great time to start networking when everybody's at home, everyone's checking their emails, everyone's available. Now's the time if you're interested to network, to build, and to figure out how you can be an impactful participant in the industry and potentially start the next unicorn business. So check great out to see, any of those events. It's great to see Kyle all these webinars to to fill the void and keep the education going, you know, usually a lot of physical events happen to bring people together, but I think this is just as productive and, and a shout out to the guys uh, over at uh, you know, Goran Home Ventures there, uh, Draper Goran Home Ventures for starting Blockchain Boost. Let's see how that takes off. I think we'll definitely be be dropping by a couple times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you're totally right. The Zoom, the Zoom style, I think is is also incredibly inclusive, which is fun. You know, a lot of these conferences, not to to single any specific ones out here at all, but we've seen that there are conferences in the past that have charged a lot of money, or even are just hard to get to. Right? If you don't live in the West Coast area, it's hard to make it to some of those events, or vice versa for the East Coast. Or if you're an international uh, event, or if you're someone from an international country, to get even inside the U.S. can be something that that is not. Incredibly practical. So these Zoom calls are, are an awesome way, I think, to be able to network with a lot of these people that you may not traditionally have been able to, to get access to, or even just to meet new people in the same way that you might at a conference-like setting without necessarily having to physically be there. Um, so I, I hope that this is a trend that that continues post-quarantine, that we can do kind of more of these Zoom events, or whether it's Zoom or, or wherever, um, these online meetups to to help encourage and foster you know small side discussion with maybe 15, 20, 30 people, and then just do more frequent events. I think it's an interesting strategy, and and uh, I'm excited to see how that plays out. Now, Kyle. You are the CEO of Security Token Market. You're one of the most plugged-in guys when it comes to STOs and what the market's like. You have a great segment on the show every week here about the latest STO updates and what's happening. So please fill us in. Let's talk about it. So we've got two new security token updates, and they're two very familiar faces. The first one being from Overstock.com. And as we've covered them, it seems like at least every other week, we, we have some new update or headline from Overstock or from its subsidiaries T0 or Medici Ventures or many of the other pieces that they're involved in. And this week, we had the update from Overstock that they have been approved and granted eligibility to issue their OSTKO security token. And as we've covered, if you don't remember, Overstock.com back, I don't know, almost almost a year ago, nine, nine months or so ago, announced that they were going to be issuing a dividend for all of their public shareholders. So Overstock.com is a public company traded on the New York Stock Exchange. And Overstock announced that they were paying a dividend to their shareholders in the form of a security token. And they were going to be issuing a security token of their public stock that would be traded on the T0 ATS. So essentially, it's the exact same assets, the same ownership rights as one share of stock, except instead of being traded on the traditional public market, it was traded, it w- would be traded on the ATS. They had subsequent SEC investigations. 
a lot of delays, but they have announced that the airdrop is coming. They will be distributing one OSTKO share for every shareholder that owns 10 publicly listed OSTK shares. So if you own 10 shares of the public company on the public markets, you will be entitled to receive one dividend share traded on the T0 ATS. And so that deadline for the 10 shares to own or any variant variable amount of 10 is April 27th. So you have until April 27th, 14 days from the day of recording Monday um, to two weeks from now to buy as many overstock public shares as you would like, and then you will be entitled to getting that airdrop of OSTKO security tokens that will be in your wallet for the T0 ATS. So this is exciting. They're estimating around 4.37 million tokens will be distributed in total. And this will be the second security token trading on the T0 ATS. And on top of that, it will also be presumably available for all retail investors, considering it's a essentially a mirror of the public share you'd expect that that will also be traded for retail investors. This will be a second token on the T0 ATS available to all retail investors. It will be distributed on May 19th. That's that's the announcement. May 19th, the airdrop will happen. So in about a month from now, four more episodes, we'll be able to have a market update featuring the OSTKO token, which will be fascinating, as we've talked about before. We'll, I'm sure we'll dig into this more as we get to that point. It'll be fascinating to see how that token will perform versus its public market uh, variant. But that that's that's the news from there. We'll see... If that actually comes to fruition, they've had other dates in the past that they've announced that seem to have come and went, um, but this one seems pretty legit. So um, finally, the saga may be coming to an end. Moving on, we have the Spencer Dinwiddie update, and this is yet another security token that has been shrouded in mystery. We haven't uh, we've received a lot of reports, a lot of rumors and not a ton of official statements. We do have one small update, and that is that the token is fundraising right now. They are, they are soliciting investors. They are looking for not only individuals, but also corporations to participate in the investment. Remember, the investment is for a one SDA token. There is no fractional ownership, so the minimum investment is $150,000. You do need to be an accredited investor to participate, and they are selling, I think, like 30 shares or something like that, uh, or maybe 90 tokens total um, of, obviously, the fraction of Spencer Dinwiddie's NBA contract. We've covered that in detail as well. They are actively soliciting investors right now, both corporations and individuals. So if you're a high net worth individual, if you're somebody that would like to participate um, in Spencer Dinwiddie's token, it is rumored to be around a 5% interest rate. That is certainly not confirmed. Um, If you'd like to participate, you do need to sign an NDA and all those things. So we can't disclose any of of those terms or anything like that. Um, But definitely go check that out read into it a little bit more um, and certainly reach out to us if you have any other questions regarding where to access that or, or, or who you could be in touch with if you're interested. But um, so at least that looks like it's still moving. It's not, it's not canceled. It's not on the rocks. They are actively moving forward. Certainly I think my prediction holds true that I was, I was wondering aloud to Herwig uh, whether it was on the podcast or maybe 
off air um, that I was not sure if this token would get distributed or, or even completed until after the season, just because there's a whole lot of, of administrative tasks that needed to get done by both Spencer's camp as well as the NBA um, and everybody in between. And, and certainly during the season while Spencer's playing makes it incredibly difficult to move forward. So this is actually potentially a silver lining for the, the whole quarantine and the canceled NBA season is that at least he can move forward with this token offering moving moving into the future. So best of luck to everybody involved in that deal. We hope that that gets completed. And if there's any official announcements from Dream Fan Shares, Spencer Dinwiddie, or anyone involved in the deal, you can believe and be sure that you'll hear it here first. We also have one new security token. This is called the Eternal Glade. And Eternal Glade is a discretionary hedge fund managed by Edison Chen, based in Singapore. And Eternal Glade is a hedge fund. They raised over 10 million Singapore dollars, which is 7 million US dollars or so, on the iStocks platform. And so they actually completed their fundraise during the COVID-19 pandemic. They were able to raise over $7 million for Edison to invest with his team in, in, in um, whatever he's interested in. They are industry agnostic. Or, and uh, iStocks is a – we've talked about them a lot. They've been very successful in launching an exchange based out of Singapore that – has received all of the regulatory approval. They graduated from the, the regulatory sandbox and are now live with a security token. So let's dig in a little bit into the token. There weren't a ton of information on the terms. I think it may have been a, a private raise. But we do have that they are focused on Asia as a geographical focus. However, they exclude Japan, and their primary focus is in Singapore and Hong Kong. As I mentioned, they are industry agnostic, and there is no lockup on the token. So accredited investors only are free to buy and sell their security tokens directly on the iStocks exchange now. Um, and so it's really exciting to see that the iStocks platform not only is live, like we had reported before, but now they're actually trading live security tokens, this one being the Eternal Glade. It is the first. And this article that we are citing also notes that they assisted Eternal in the fundraising process. So it's a great service to issuers. It's cool to see iStocks is assisting with that process and has the connections to be able to actually fulfill that raise. We've seen a lot of... of broker dealers and, and the like that will say that they can help you fundraise and then you know there's only questionable returns. It's cool to see iStocks was successful in facilitating this fundraise. I'm sure that Eternal Glade also had their connections as well. But a tremendous advancement for the Asian security token market because now we have a live security token to pave the way. Um, the, that first one is always the most important and, uh, and that's finished. So we will be doing everything we can to get that live pricing listed on security token market, stomarket.com. We're up to 13 security tokens now um, and hopefully in the, in the coming future we'll be able to get our 14th, this one being Eternal Glade from iStocks. Congratulations to everyone involved. Moving forward, we have the market update. This is, this is covering all of the secondary moves, which is, I think is a good transition from, from identifying our newest security token. In this market update, we have, first have a report, this one being from Cointelegraph, one of the largest publications in the cryptocurrency and blockchain industries. And they published a great report on the real estate security tokens, or as they're calling them, RESTS, R-E-S-T. 
Um, so using data from security token markets, January, February, and March research reports, the article concludes that rests now represent nearly half of the active security token market and 15% of total volume. And it's a really nice summary article. And I did want to give a shout out to Cointelegraph as well as author Samuel Haig for using all of our market reports in the analysis. As we've covered on this podcast for 39 episodes now, uh, Herwig and I are, are, with our different businesses, are really just trying to provide institutional level content that can be citable and leveraged for research and analysis around the world. And Security Token Market is certainly trying to spearhead that by providing as much transactional data around security tokens as we could provide. And, uh, and so it's exciting to see Cointelegraph using that for, for the benefit of everyone. Finally, before we move into our main topic, I think it's important to cover the security token market cap over the last week. And it's been relatively sideways this week. With a, Its cap is up 2%, I think $1 million in market cap from $48 million to f- from forty-seven. T0, our, our largest market cap token, its price has held about a dollar for almost two weeks now. So trading volumes are relatively down. I think we're, we're looking at only a couple thousand dollars a day, which is to be expected with waning interest in the secured token market due to the questionable public markets and just economic health right now. It will be interesting to see, though, how next month's airdrops affect T0's price. As I've mentioned in the past, T0's price does predicate itself on the trading of other assets. So um, with a second asset on the ATS, I think it may um, prove to be valuable for T0 as a token. In terms of other tokens, we saw BCAP had a 10% increase this week, up to just about $1.50 and a $9 million market cap. Mount Pelerin equity is up 46% this week, hitting all-time highs of $3.52 on Monday uh, from a little bit of a slip when we first started tracking and listing just two weeks ago. And finally, the real estate properties are performing well, holding their price relatively constant. So, in general terms, the market looks pretty stable this week across the board, which is fantastic considering all the volatility in the public markets. Um, and so on top of that, we do have iStocks, as we mentioned, that is now trading Eternal Glade security token. We're going to do everything we can to onboard that asset and hopefully have it soon on stomarket.com. Super and from there, cool. Super cool, Kyle, to see the industry the grow with uh, Eternal Glade there, and uh, also that the market is continuing to hold despite everything that's going on. Really great news. Yeah. Yeah, our thesis from the main topic just a little bit ago regarding how security tokens were hanging in there and and performing uh, well compared to the public markets does seem to be relatively um, consistent, and that that seems to hold still, and that investors are are not necessarily scared off by by the current conditions, and and the confidence is there in the high-quality assets, right? If you have high-quality assets, the confidence in the investment will stay there. It's the ones that are are taking the biggest dive seem to be the ones that that were, were maybe lacking uh, some degree of substance. Great update. And so, Herwig, moving on to our main topic. Last week, you released an unexpected article covering Japan and the security token industry there. I know we're going to jump into the meat of that story, but first I wanted to ask you, what inspired you to write that article? 
Well, Kyle, one of the great things about this show is that you and I get to cover pretty much all the latest developments in the industry. And so as a result, we're starting to pick up on trends and patterns. And one of those that I saw was the constant developments coming out of Japan, which was seemingly quiet on the topic up until the middle of 2019. And so I started doing some digging. And since I was already doing the research, I thought it'd be helpful to chronicle the rise of Japan's security token ecosystem so that others might also be able to learn from it. And I have to say, Kyle, what I learned was actually pretty fascinating. I think it can be a powerful example in how a financial community can adopt security token infrastructure. And I think what makes it so extraordinary is how quickly they did it. So without further ado, I will take us to the start of it all back in March of 2019. You know, the ICO craze was a global phenomenon, and governments and regulators all around the world responded differently. And Japan's lawmakers, known as the National Diet, proposed the bill to help formalize the ICO and STO industry in Japan, mostly by handling and handing enforcement responsibility and increased controls with it, by the way, to the Japanese securities regulator, the FSA, as well as defining ICOs and STOs so that the financial community had clarity to adopt the technology. A key thing that Kyle and I have been messaging on the podcast. And it wasn't until May of 2019 that that final version passed, and it won't be till next month this year when the rules finally actually kick in. That's May 1st when they actually officially kick in. But that hasn't stopped the region from moving forward with building out all the necessary infrastructure that they needed to support security tokens. And that's where things interestingly began with U.S. issuance platform Securitize. So a little bit of a twist to the story. On June 18th, the U.S.-based firm announced a partnership with the Japan Security Token Association, which was the country's first educational advocacy group for security tokens. And since then, also Tokeny, as well as many other dozens of firms have joined as members. And shortly after, Securitize must have been very busy making connections in Japan because then in September, they announced that MUFG, Japan's largest bank and the fifth largest bank in the world, people, as well as investment bank Nomura, both invested into Securitize. Major moves, if you ask me. So clearly, Carlos Domingo, the CEO, was busy in Japan. And then just one month later, Six different investment banks came together in the region to self-declare themselves the nation's self-regulatory organization for security tokens led by SBI, the investment bank, called the Japan Security Token Offering Association. So it's an it's a impressive move that leading financial institutions came together and self-formed an SRO for an industry that barely even existed at the time. And that same month also, Securitize launched the first Japanese STO with lead real estate using U.S. exemptions for a real estate fund focused on development in popular regions of Tokyo. So all of that was happening in October, and not 30 days later goes by when SBI, the leader of that SRO, also announced an investment into Securitize, making one-third of the JSTOA SRO members securitize investors as well. And by the way, in that same month, MUFG also established a 22-member security token research consortium 
dedicated to, of course, researching and trialing the technology, featuring many Japanese investment banks, as well as big corporates like Accenture and KPMG, among others. Not surprisingly, Securitize was named the exclusive provider of that research consortium. It's worth noting, too, that Nomura launched their own research group for security token technology with over a dozen members of its own. Strategically, Securitize then acquired Boodle, B-U-I-D-L, in December. Boodle is an enterprise blockchain consulting firm, which of course now endorses STOs with Securitize. The partnership entails Securitize to essentially work with both small and large Japanese issuers using local expertise. And 2020, Kyle, hasn't slowed with news either. Sony Financial invested in Securitize in February. The Tokyo Stock Exchange announced a blockchain pilot calling for uh, applications. And several other investment banks like Mitsui & Co. have started their own issuing platforms. And uh, uh, you know, trialing SEOs has also occurred in the region like Nomura did with their tokenized bonds. So some investment banks have gone as far as to also invest in outside exchanges like Tokai Tokyo did with iStocks. And SBI also did something similar with the Borge Stuttgart's new digital exchange coming out as well. SBI also mentioned, by the way, that they have their own plans to launch an exchange in Japan slated within 2020 to launch. So I gotta say, all of this activity and laws, all of this activity and the laws haven't even passed yet. So you know, what will happen when May first kicks in? I expect the really STOs in the region to explode. And if all of this infrastructure was set up in just one year, think about what can happen. And I gotta say, a big shout out to what seems to be a lot of influence from one specific company, Securitize. Uh, shout out for for helping Japan really mobilize very effectively and quickly. It's clearly no secret that you had a lot to do with that. And every time I really you know think about this journey, I get goosebumps bumps on my arms because you can't do anything but get excited about what's to come for Japan. Like this is this is really amazing. That's why I think a lot of other regions and other infrastructures or ecosystems should look at Japan and say, look, they're putting all the pieces together. They've got inf- the the issuance platforms, partner with consulting companies, partner with investment banks. No other country in the world has a SRO dedicated specifically to security tokens. And all of this has been happening again without really formal laws to really start launching a lot of STOs. So, Kyle, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I haven't heard it yet. I know you like the article, but you know, tell us what do you think about all this, dude? I love, I love the article. I, I think it's a, an awesome breakdown. Certainly, as somebody who spends you know most of my time working with the U.S., just based off of the fact that I live here and and most of my connections and resources are, are based here in the U.S. And, and maybe a little bit of Europe. Um, Asia has always been a, a, an economy and just a financial sector, certainly in Japan as well, and the one that you focused on, that has been so up and coming and so fantastically innovative and, and successful. And, and uh, they deserve to be, be promoted and, and recognized for all of the tremendous work they're doing, not only to be innovative and, and, and quick moving, but also to be very thoughtful in their approach in launching you know, all these consortiums to, to, to get, gather feedback and to work together and to be collaborative. They really have, have fully taken on the idea of interoperability and collaboration that we've been preaching for, for months and months now, and, and it's tremendous. So I loved the article. I think you gave an, a, tr- a fantastic breakdown. And I also really liked the the 
infographic you gave as well that really broke down that timeline. I think that that's something that we're going to need to to make sure that we publish around and, and show people because it really effectively breaks down what we're talking about here and the, the timeline um, that we're talking about. And we're also going to keep track of how the Japanese security token industry continues to grow in 2020 and beyond. I mean, the best thing about the security token industry is that we're talking about a global phenomenon. This is an industry developing all over the world, and we have the opportunity to connect these parts together in ways that were never before possible because you couldn't trust all of the other sides. We didn't have the technology component together. We didn't even maybe culturally weren't quite there regarding our financials and, and working around the world internationally 24-7 like we do in today's day and age. So seeing businesses like Securitize connecting the U.S. and Japan is a tremendous example of the positive interjurisdictional development that has been revolutionizing the way that we do business. And so between your quarterly infrastructure venture funding rep report and this article on the Japanese security token infrastructure, Security Token Advisors has really pumped out a, a lot of really high-quality research for the industry. Is there anything else that you'd like to highlight before we call it a show? I'm glad you liked it, Kyle. You know, you, you said it really well yourself. Uh, the only thing I can mention is that we'll also be doing similar research on other regions like Singapore and Hong Kong. I've also been starting to mobilize and, of course, in other parts around the world. So we'll have plenty more reports coming soon. And with that, that's all we have today for you on the show. I want to thank you for being a listener and to remind you to reach out to us with feedback or contribute in our community directly at stomarket.com.